0: Support for this podcast comes from Washington Wise, an original podcast from Charles Schwab. Decisions made in Washington affect your portfolio and your money every day. But what policy changes should investors be watching? Washington Wise is an original podcast for investors from Charles Schwab. The show unpacks the stories making news in Washington and how they may affect your finances and investments. Listen today at Schwab.com/slash WashingtonWise. That's schwab.com slash WashingtonWise.
1: Hey, folks. After wrapping up a spree of public impeachment hearings, the House Intelligence Committee has reportedly begun writing a report of its findings, which will be used by the House Judiciary Committee to draft the articles of impeachment. It remains to be seen what the charges will be and what will happen in a Republican-controlled Senate trial, which will be presided over by the Chief Justice of the Supreme Court, John Roberts. Meanwhile, we've also learned that Devin Nunes reportedly met with a former Ukrainian prosecutor last year to get dirt on Joe Biden, that Justice Department Inspector General Michael Horowitz's long-awaited report into the FBI's handling of the Russia investigation will be released on December 9th, and the Secretary of the Navy, Richard Spencer, was terminated in connection with the case of Navy SEAL Ed Gallagher, who was pardoned by President Trump. I talk about all this and more with Ann Milgram on the Cafe Insider podcast. Each week, we break down the news and take stock of what's happening, especially as impeachment heats up. Today we're making a clip from the most recent episode available in the Stay Tuned feed. To listen to our full conversation and access all other Cafe Insider content, try the membership free for two weeks. You can do that at cafe.com insider. That's cafe.com insider. So on Ukraine, what do you think the article should be and how many?
0: It's a good question. I think they're definitely going to include bribery because it's all they're talking about, right? Yeah. And I, so, still, I
1: still, by the way, doesn't look like bribery to me. I like extortion, extortion better. I but feel the, the same. The word extortion is not in the Constitution. Again, it doesn't need to be. And it seems like that's a good talking point for folks to be able to say, because I keep seeing people on TV saying this, because the word bribery is in the Constitution... It's clearly impeachable. It would sit well with people, and I'll just make the same point again. That bribery, I think, that was contemplated by the founders was the kind of bribery in which the president is being offered a bribe and sells his office for official action. But the
0: original definition of bribery, it does come closer to solicits something of value also. And so I I think it's fine for them to charge bribery, although I'm with you. If you and I were charging as a criminal case, I think we would both charge extortion. But I'm okay with bribery.
1: And the other thing people need to remember, worth keeping in mind, is when— People are trying to say, what does bribery mean? The word bribery appears in the Constitution long, long, long before the current bribery statute in in Title 18.
0: Exactly. And when you think about the meaning of bribery, it's that more general pre-federal statute definition. Also, in terms of Ukraine, I definitely think you and I both have had a chance to look back at the Nixon and the Clinton articles of impeachment, and both of them include a charge of abuse of power, abusing the office of the presidency. And so I think, you know, there's no question, you know, for Clinton, Article 4 was that Clinton had misused and abused his office by engaging in conduct that resulted in misuse and abuse of his high office, impairing the due and proper administration of justice and the conduct of lawful inquiries, contravening the authority of the legislative branch, and willfully making perjurious, false and misleading sworn statements, and so on. And there's there's a similar article that attached for Nixon— the question I have a little bit is, so I think that that's right. I think you could think about a bribery count and an abuse of power count. I also was thinking a lot about the conspiracy to defraud the U.S., which is what Mueller charged against all the Russian agents and has been charged in a number of instances during the Mueller investigation. And that's conspiracy conspiracy. 18 U.S.C. Section 371 lets you do, you know, conspiracy to commit a crime, conspiracy to defraud the U.S. And so that's something, you know, I am interested in because I think it also gets at the heart of this. And it's really a question of, do you want to bring a general article of impeachment that's just the president violated his fiduciary duty to the United States of America? Or do you want to bring something that is more akin to what we think about as an existing crime to defraud the United States?
1: I think that's something they're probably considering and they're thinking about. It seems different from what's happened before and to the extent that they're going to try to make arguments that this is in line with what prior impeachments have been about and the nature of prior impeachment charges, although it's different behavior. It's more outlandish conduct in a lot of ways. So I don't know. I think they might might be more conservative about that, but I think it's worth considering.
0: And then the obstruction piece. I mean, it feels to me like you've got absolutely obstruction related to Ukraine. I mean, you've got the moving of the memorandum of the July 25th call into the secured server. That was an
1: administrative error.
0: Right, and let them defend that, right? That's fine. (laughs) Let them come in and say that. But then you've also got the obstruction of Congress, and I think the obstruction of Congress is really important. But I want to ask you a question about that count because I think it's critically important that they charge that because people have not come in. And I guess the question I have for you is, if the House Judiciary Committee does not subpoena all these documents and all these witnesses, you and I, in a normal trial... We wouldn't show up at trial day one and say, oh, we want these documents and these witnesses or we want a charge to be brought for the failure to supply those documents and those witnesses unless we had made every lawful effort to get them.
1: No, it's a weakness. It's a weakness in the argument. And it's a good point that you make because people haven't been talking about it. Schiff and others are on a political clock. So they say we're being obstructed and we're not going to go down the rabbit hole of delaying all this for months and months, maybe even till after the election to get what we want because you're willfully defying us. Those people will say, with some amount of credibility, not fully because I think there's some gamesmanship going on, they'll say, no, we had you know, legitimate privileges that we wanted to have an argument about. And you chose not
0: to litigate You chose it. not to litigate yeah.
1: it. So, like, you know, we just wanted to go to court in the good old-fashioned American way to protect our rights and protect the privileges of the office of the presidency, which is not a small thing. It's important not just to this president, but to all future presidents till the end of time. And that's a, that's a crime now. That's a high crime or a misdemeanor. So look, that's a reasonable argument that they can make. That
0: argument makes a lot of sense to me. You've got three branches of government co-equal. If the Congress and the president and the executive are in dispute, it's the courts that decide. And so, you know, again, I understand the timing question, but I think it will be a significant liability
1: so this might be a good point to jump to the potential trial. Now, I think I agree with most people that impeachment is a foregone conclusion. I think there'll be enough votes. Trial likely to be in the Senate in January. I think all the details have not been worked out. There might be additional rules that the Senate decides. I've been speaking to some people in the Senate. It hasn't yet been worked out who's going to take the lead, who the point folks are going to be. But we know something from, pr- from past experience. And one of the things that's interesting is that the judicial official that presides at the Senate trial in the case of impeachment of a president is the chief justice of the Supreme Court, in this case, John Roberts. Another detail we know is that the trial will commence uh, at like 12 or 1 every day. We can't days, quite so we, figure out which. <laughs> one page of the document says 1 p.m., another page says noon. Maybe I'm not reading it carefully enough, but there's some things that are confusing Around lunchtime, it'll Around, start. Right. You have a bagel and then we'll go sit on trial. And the chief justice is able to make decisions about who can be called and what is relevant and what evidence can be admitted into the trial— And so some people have been speculating that even though we haven't gotten Bolton and other folks now in the preliminary impeachment inquiry, that when it comes to the trial, you could have an application made to the chief justice who's presiding over the Senate trial. We need the testimony of hypothetically John Bolton and he could rule right then and there, that testimony is relevant and admissible.
0: You know, I feel like we're about to ruin people's Thanksgivings. <laughs> we're about to cancel Christmas by by uh, sort of unveiling the truth of how this is going to work. But I think it's really important that people understand this.
1: But the problem with that is, as you and I were discussing before we came on, this is very complicated to understand. And I understand, I've written this in a couple of columns for the Insiders in recent weeks, and it, it's our penchant, too, to compare this to a criminal trial. And it has some of the parallels that you might imagine there's the charges the impeachment there's a trial it's like a criminal trial you have a jury the jury happens to be the senate it is totally weird because if you look at the rules the chief justice can decide whether something can be admitted or not admitted etc and then the question is what is the appeal he's the chief justice of the united states supreme court it's not going to go back to some lower court that's true it seems but it appears from the rules that have been adopted by the Senate, when it says the presiding officer on the trial may rule on all questions of evidence, et cetera, et cetera, it also says which ruling shall stand as the judgment of the Senate unless unless some member of the Senate shall ask that a formal vote be taken thereon, in which case it shall be submitted to the Senate for decision without debate, which essentially means that any particular decision made by John Roberts can be overruled by a majority
0: vote, and it's a majority a majority vote. vote
1: in the Senate. Yes. So... How different is that from a regular trial? What it would be It would be as if you had an ordinary jury of twelve Americans who doesn 't like a particular evidentiary ruling by the judge and they can by a vote of seven to five overturn the judge 's ruling in a yeah. trial, so it is not like a regular trial in any way, shape, or form that we 're familiar with, except you know in a rudimentary way
0: yeah, and you know The Washington Post did a good job reporting on this and talking about the fact that if you look even at the Clinton impeachment, that the who the witnesses were going to be and what evidence was going to be admitted was worked out by the senators, not by the chief justice. And that was Chief Justice Rehnquist. The jurors. The jurors so, exactly. So in some
1: ways, the jurors occupy a position of not just bias, because some of them-
0: are already stated rep- there. I mean, yeah.
1: all of them have, are on. as I've said before, all of them are on record being for or against the president's election, re-election. And if you were running to replace him, and in a real trial, they would all be struck for cause.
0: They would all be struck for cause. One of the reasons why this matters a lot. And the fact that the chief justice is really going to be not engaged in the kind of activity that a normal judge would be engaged in, it matters because when you and I think about, is Bolton going to be forced to testify? Are the text messages and the emails going to be compelled to be put forward? The answer is no, right? And and let's just sort of close that loop there because the, the Senate, I think, I had sort of thought, well, is it really going to be able, are they really going to be able to keep it to two weeks as, as we've sort of heard you know, that the the Republicans in the Senate are speculating. The short answer is if they get to decide what evidence comes in and what witnesses testify, the answer is yes. I also think that the fact that the Democrats are not litigating subpoenas about witness and documents basically can absolutely be something that they use to say, that the Senate Republicans use to say, you know what, you didn't raise it, you're not going to get it. And so I think just for everybody to be sort of prepared for what we see, I think that Roberts is an institutionalist. I think Roberts is not going to want to go out of his comfort zone. And remember, he's also never been a trial judge, so he's never tried a single case in his life. It's
1: funny I was thinking that. It sounds very cocky to say what the hell does the chief justice of the Supreme Court know about that, but I'm glad you mentioned it.
0: Well, it's important because I think a trial judge, somebody who tried a lot of cases, would have pretty quick instincts on stuff, particularly when it comes to evidence, and you know, Roberts is not going to have those instincts. So he's going to be more deliberative and he's going to potentially go to the parties and say like, look, you know, you guys worked this out and that means majority rule and majority here will mean the
1: Republican Senate. I agree that Roberts will want to be minimalist. Look, it's a very odd thing in this very high stakes and I, shall I say hyper-partisan political showdown, which is what an impeachment trial is in the Senate, that you have one institution, coequal branch of government who tries as best as it can to be outside of politics, above politics, beyond politics, I mean, literally the Supreme Court, there's a doctrine in the Supreme Court. They won't decide some things because they are political questions. It's it's an actual constitutional uh, doctrine. And here now you thrust the top judge in the country, the chief justice of the Supreme Court, into this sort of what will be a somber process, but in some ways it can be a messy and ugly process.
0: A political circus and a somber process at the same time. A political (laughs) circus,
1: right. Uh, Simultaneously, which is odd. He's not going to want to do things that will cause more people than necessary to think that Roberts has some kind of thumb on the scale or is involved in in politics or taking a side as between a Republican president and, you know, Democratic opposition. It's, it's a very weird place for any chief justice to be. And I think particularly for John Roberts.
0: I just want to note that I thought we were going to um, use the word partisan going forward. of partisan? partisan.
1: That, for those of you who didn't listen last week, that's the way that the great Fiona Hill uses the word.
0: <laughs> and I agree with you. I think we should all expect that this is going to be party line vote in the House for impeachment, party line vote in the Senate for acquittal. But I still believe two things. One, facts and truth matter. And I think it's an important process. This is part of the United States Constitution. And the men and women of the United States government who testified last week are evidence of why this matters and how important this is. And so I think we should be realistic of, you know, what may be coming. But the process may be... The punishment and part of the process may be the point that the constitution says this is how we deal with abuses of power by the chief executive and ultimately it leaves it to our politics again i don't think that the founders envisioned politics that was this corrupted and sort of deeply disturbing in my view but you know it's also not over
1: two other bits of news that broke in the last few days yeah touch upon those quickly and then we'll wish everyone a happy thanksgiving I hope you've enjoyed this sample of the Cafe Insider podcast. To listen to the full episode, head to cafe.com slash insider and try out the membership free for two weeks. To the many of you who have chosen to join the insider community, thank you for supporting our work.